We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. Welcome to another Kilkenny Today, myself, Morris O'Connor, with you as usual on the Tuesday afternoon and indeed Fridays as well. Um, good morning as well. If you're listening on the repeat, it's lovely to have you with us one way or the other. And uh, I think Wednesday morning, you're probably starting to get a little bit closer to the end of this gorgeous fellow weather we've been enjoying for the last while. Um, a little bit of it left if you're listening to me live on the Tuesday afternoon. So squeeze the last you can out of it because certainly by the weekend it sounds like as if it's going to be uh, fading into the distance a little bit well, unfortunately but anyway we could do with a bit of rain mind you we certainly could um, thanks a million to make there for the last few hours uh, great music as usual and uh, good that he's, uh, great that he's staying on again to mind the studio for me and look after things back there down in Hebron and indeed the Raidstone studio has been very much enjoying the weather all afternoon and the sun uh, it's great to hear John Kelly's voice as well in the last uh, ad break there and uh, John, of course, would usually be handing over to me on a Tuesday uh, with John um, and Kybers presenting Radioactive. So hopefully John and Cor will be back in action uh, in the studio and presenting Radioactive again before too long. Now, later on on today's show um, here in Kilkenny Today, going to be talking to our good friend and regular uh, contributor to various shows and uh, across community radio Kilkenny City. That's um, Angela Hayes, of course, from Chalk Tom. And we'll be uh, chatting to Angela about how things are going for Chalk Tom at the moment. Um, then before that, uh, and of course, in between our breaks, we have to learn, still try and earn our few bob anyway. Um, we'll be hearing from um, Minister of State for Local Government and Electoral Reform at the Department of Housing, Planning and Local Government. That's, of course, our own local TD, John Paul Phelan from Finnegale. So John Paul will hopefully be joining us to, um, towards the middle of the show middle of the hour. Um, no parish news of course yet but um, sounds like July 12th is possibly um, when churches will start to open and coming up to that we'd expect there'd probably be some announcements from parishes so if there are we'll certainly be bringing those to you through Henry Hogan I presume. He'll come back with the parish news he's been usually bringing us to us every day for the good while now until of course the old pandemic interrupted and shut everything down including Anne-Marie's Parish News but anyway it will come back I'm sure and be bigger and better than than ever um, but speaking of reopening of things um, uh, one, one of the, the the institutions that's obviously been affected like all sorts of others uh, educational institutions is uh, Waterford Institute of Technology but however um, WIT had a week of virtual open days in April just gone and um, had over 6,500 attendees virtually online at it, which is way more than they'd ever expect to have physically on an open day. Um, they'd be swamped with that number of people, I think, on a, on a physical opening day. It's interesting to note as well, I didn't know, but one in four of higher education going school leavers from Kilkenny actually go to WIT. So that's 25% of students who are doing leaving certs here and intending to go on to third level education 
question go to WIT? Um, not, I suppose, terribly surprising, seeing that it's one of the nearer big colleges. There's probably a significant percentage go to Carlow IT as well, but 25% of them go to WIT. And earlier on today, I had a chat with John Power, who's an outreach officer with WIT, about um, the virtual open day and other supports that um, WIT are putting in place for school leavers um, on the, the class of 2020 because uh, life goes on and uh, the CAO application process goes on and there's a deadline coming up on the 1st of July for CAO changes of mind. So I had a chat with John Parr about the supports that WIT is providing for uh, all of this year's class of 2020 school leavers from secondary school. So let's have a listen to that. Um, well, we're busy preparing uh, for students and helping them, I suppose, with their, uh, their, their change of mind, CAO uh, course preferences. So it's all hands on deck at the moment. We're working remotely, but we're still there to help students along the way. And John, uh, yeah, you, you mentioned the CAO change of mind deadline, which I believe is July 1st. Now, you know, this is a normal part of the CAO process every single year, but this year, as everybody knows, is not a normal year. And uh, a huge amount has happened. The world has really changed and turned upside down since students would have originally made their CAO choices in February. So have you any sense or how do you think the um, the Leaving Cert class of 2020 will be approaching this, this year's change of mind process um, any differently from maybe previous years? Um, yeah, the CAO change of mind is a really big, um, I suppose, milestone for the students every year. Um, traditionally, what we see is students make decisions really early on once the CAO opens. So in or around kind of October, November time, they make decisions. They have another reevaluation of those around the February deadline. But it really comes down to the 1st of July where students kind of have that reality check and they may have traditionally gone through a leaving cert so they have a better idea of how they think they may have prepared. Um, some students make some fundamental mistakes at change mind because they panic over the results that they may think or anticipate they're going to get and they change their course selection and there's one rule around the change of mind and it applies to um, this year's cohort of students as well is to not make rash decisions okay and to always sit back regardless of what points that you think you're going to get the course that you really want to do needs to be listed up there number one irregardless okay that's your that's the course that you most want to do and really we can't stress that enough for this year's even cert students because some of them are going to face predicted grades some of them are they're in a situation of it's a little bit unknown for them um, and we don't want to see them make um, I suppose rash decisions and choose courses that are not really the course they want to study it all comes down to the right students in the right programme in the right college as well and that that's what we really try and get across to students every year at this time of the year um, traditionally we um, as I suppose uh, a lot of our students are Irish we tend to be a little bit lastminute.com so every year we see a spike in numbers of students fixing their CAO in the last week up to the 1st of July and um, this year we're starting to see it, it's a little bit earlier students because the leaving cert is not taking place they're back re-evaluating what they want to do and that kind of is why we've uh, adopted a different approach this year to interact and engage with students to help them along the way and we started that much earlier so we started at the end of May this year um, and the idea is that we're we're online with a number of different supports to help them through it and to take the stress out of the CAO because it is a big, big achievement mm -hmm. to get through the leaving third year and this year is particularly difficult for lots of those students. Yeah, so you've come up with um, a programme or a kind of a framework of support that you're going to call Ask WIT 
and uh, as, as I mentioned in the intro, uh, it kind of follows on from a very successful week of uh, virtual open days that you held um, in April. Yeah, so back in April, um, well, actually, at the end of March, we were due to have our spring open day, which is a normal open day where we invite parents and students on campus. Obviously, that event couldn't take place, so we had a agree think um, amongst our team and we decided well we'll move our supports online so we had virtual open days in April which were hugely successful we looking at attendance had about six and a half thousand students who took part wow, in those impressive. virtual open events which is a bigger number than we would see at a traditional open day so the students have embraced the technology and the staff and the support team in the institute have, have, have done the same as well um, following on from the virtual open days we kind of knew that we were going into a situation where we needed to stay engaged with students and students needed us to answer their questions. So that's WIT we, uh, campaign. We run this every year, but we run it in a very different format. And it's normally where students drop in over the summer and they come and talk to us. Um, and we also welcome parents. So this year, when we looked at it, we obviously have to move it online. And we have a number of initiatives this year. So this initiative we have is a virtual drop-in. So um, parents and students can go online, they can book an appointment um, for a private one-to-one virtual meeting with a member of our outreach team. And they'll talk to you about everything from CAO to colleges, courses, all those kind of questions that students and parents are going to have. And those are private one-to-one. We offer them um, five times a week and even late into the evenings on some nights as well. So we're working around people's different time okay. agendas and, and so are on these, at the um, Sorry to interrupt you, John. Are, the, are these consultations then with the likes of yourself as outreach officer and I believe there's one of your colleagues involved or is it with the academic staff? It's with the outreach team. So we will be able to answer questions across all the different courses and we'll also be able to answer questions about admissions and the going to kind of college questions that parents would have. So it's not going to be with the academics, but it is going to be with what we would call schools liaison. So the people that would be used to dealing with um, prospective students and with guidance counsellors and parents. So that's yeah. the kind of person yeah. you're going to get to talk I to. Believe I They've believe you're also running sorry, believe, uh, sorry John, I believe you're also running some ser- a series of talks that do involve the the, uh, the academic staff? Yeah, so our second initiative as part of the Ask WIT uh, campaign is um, called WIT Talks. And basically what these are, they are interactive um, Zoom uh, talks um, that are hosted by our academic staff from the relevant departments and courses. And basically they are an hour or two hours in duration where we invite CAO applicants, anybody interested in the course, to come online and to meet the lecturers, also to meet some of our current students and to ask the questions that they have. Um, what we typically often find is students can be quite shy. They find talking to people from third level maybe a little bit daunting. Mm. They're a lot more engaging when they're on Zoom. Um, They may not turn on their camera, but they will have the chats and they're asking the questions and they also get a feel of the other type of students that will be joining them. This is very unusual for a student, but they're actually getting to see their potential classmates, which is a really nice thing as well. So again, we're running these all the way through into like the third week of June and um, there's a whole schedule up on our website um, where where you can find the details about how to access in and, and log in and it's as simple as a student logging in on their phone and they can talk to the lecturers. Yeah and is, it, is that covering those series of talks are they covering all of the course ranges that you offer or just particular um, disciplines or degree courses? Or? No we're 
we're basically covering all discipline areas. So we've grouped some of the courses together, obviously. Um, though we have different talks in business. We have a series of talks for engineering, health sciences, sport. All of the humanities then are grouped together in different batches. And then our Department of Science have lab, land, um, sciences. And then our computing department have one talk together as well for all their courses. So there's a full series of them there. They take place in the afternoons, um, normally kind of around 2 to 4 p.m., and it's just a really nice way for the students to engage and actually learn a lot more about their courses. Yeah, it sounds like as if you've got a great comprehensive um, suite of different types of offerings in, in terms of giving information to students about uh, what they might expect in their courses in WT in advance of the CAO deadline on July 1st. Um, is there any element of, um, are, are you trying to persuade students to enroll with you? Or are you very open-minded about whether they do or they don't? Um, like at the end of the day, we obviously are promoting our courses and we think we have a really solid portfolio of courses, but it comes down to one ethos across WIT and that's right student, right program. Um, we really, really push this and we have loads and loads of additional supports for students um, that they can download and help them. But it, like if a student is choosing a course for the wrong reason, we are obviously going to try and discourage them to do that because that student won't last the course. We really want to see students that have picked the course that they love, that they've, they've done the research that was required, and they're also sure that WIT is for them. Um, been really honest, lots of college courses are very similar. What really makes the college experience different is often the college that the student takes the course in. So we pride ourselves on things like small class sizes. We pride ourselves on having an open door policy with our lectures where they'll know your name. Um, it's a very different kind of a community feel that we give as an experience to someone going to college. So, But it, it comes back to that right student, right program. We're obviously interested in setting our courses, but only if the student is suited to that course. So what we don't want to give is unrespected what you see is basically what you're going to get with us. Yeah, and I suppose it may as well be it may well be understood well by everybody. But just in case, it's probably worth repeating that you, you as as a WIT and like all the third level institutions, have no real role in the change of process that's happening just because of the pandemic this year. You're going to be in the position of just receiving um, lists of um, students' grades and applications like you normally would, and uh, then uh, working out the thresholds for various courses and uh, offering places in the in the usual way. I presume. I Exactly. Um, this is new for the Leaving Cert student. Um, predicted grades is um, a first. Um, we're also um, changing and adapting as well, and it's a first for us as well. But when it comes to the offer stage in August, um, and it's not exact dates for that just yet, CAO are working um, to give us some dates. It will be fairly similar idea. Um, the Leaving Cert um, grades will be assessed to the CAO and um, it will be calculated and offers will be made based on that so we hope to get back to um, a similar processing run um, after those dates happen and we look forward to welcoming students then um, to WET um, for the autumn semester as well and um, what that autumn semester really looks like again we don't know 100% just yet we're waiting on um, advice from the department and obviously we'll follow the guidelines from the HSE in terms of social distancing um, but we would anticipate some sort of um, blended learning approach for the students which again students that are from the leaving cert this year have become accustomed to as well mm. see such a shock to those students uh, to get used to that kind of format in the short term anyhow. Yeah, so it may, may actually be that the class of 2020 going into third level education might actually have a somewhat of a, 
an easier transition in a sense because they'll have been used to a different style of um, educational approach um, from the traditional classroom into the more college-oriented and self-driven, self-directed um, exactly, yeah. uh, learning that, that you get at third level typically. Um, just before we let you go then, John, you better give us details then of where people can uh, find out, either students or parents or guardians can find out uh, about uh, how to link in with either the one-to-ones or uh, the, the talks that you're, you're running. Yep. So if um, a student or a parent wants to book a virtual drop-in, if they want to get involved in our live web chat that takes place on our website every day, or they want to take part in any of the WIT talks that we have scheduled, all they have to do is go to wit.ie forward slash CAO and they'll find all the information that they need there. Okay, that's great. Look, thanks a million for joining us on Community Radio Kilkenny City, John. Thank you very much. There you go. That was John Power, who's an outreach officer with WIT. It sounds like as if they're doing their best to inform and educate uh, this year's six-year secondary school students. So fair dues to them and a bit doing so in a very creative way. Now, about time we took the first ad break of the day. Uh, do stay with us here in Kilkenny today. Great to have you with us. Uh, text number, of course, as usual, 086-353-7782. Uh, when we come back to you in a couple of minutes' time, hopefully we'll be joined on the line by John Paul Phelan, TD Minister of State for Local Government and Electoral Reform at the Department of Housing, Planning and Local Government. But first, uh, we'll have to take these. We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. And welcome back to today's Kilkenny Today. And I'm delighted to be joined on the phone by, I'm sure, a man who's extremely busy. That's uh, John Paul Phelan, TD. Good afternoon, John Paul. How are Good you? afternoon. Lovely to have you with us. Good evening, yeah. Lovely, lovely to have you with us. Um, I'm sure your kind of your mind and your attentions are probably very much focused on what's going on up in and around the precincts of um, the houses of the Oireachtas. But um, now that we have you, yeah, we might get back to that later on in the chat. Mm. But now that we have you, I know you had a piece in the Kilkenny People there um, on on their website. Anyway, just uh, encouraging local. Uh, towns and villages to uh, avail of funding opportunities that uh, that are available to them. Um, yeah. you, you might just give us a brief outline of uh, what's uh, what's of possible. The and what people, yeah. people can look for. There, yeah. there, there's three schemes, Morris, um, that were uh, details of which were announced for this year um, in the last week or so. They, they, they've been in existence for a few years now. They're they're all run under Michael Ring's Department of Rural and Community Affairs, and they're run through the local authority. So I would say to any interested group that um, they should contact the community section of the local authority to make an application but in broad terms there's 15 million euros put aside for what's called the town and village renewal scheme. People will be familiar um, in, in the greater Kilkenny area you're talking about Main Street in Castle Comer, Green Street Callan, Market Street Thomas John, uh, Greg de Manor where the, 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 the small um, uh, traffic light system was put in um, and a number of other villages and towns around the county that would have benefited from that. Ballyragget is a good example from, from several years ago uh, which is about generally improving the centre of towns, footpaths, lights, seats uh, putting um, utility wires underground, those kind of measures, yeah, and that's yeah, 15 yeah. million euros. Um, yeah. The other, the 5 million euro scheme is, is the CLAW uh, program, which most people associate with uh, the west of Ireland, but actually there's, there's parts of Kilkenny, uh, and when I say parts of Kilkenny, I'm talking about the Crosspatrick, Galmoy uh, area in the northwest of Kilkenny, across over to Muckley, Coon that kind of area in the northeast, and then down in the south, Wine Gap, Tullahock, Templorum, 
and across towards my own kind of home area, um, Lister Lynn, Tullaher, that kind of area that are in the that are in the Clare area for for funding. And essentially, that means that if there's a community group in that area, for instance, last year I think the recipients in Kilkenny there was three. Wine Gap got funding for a pedestrian crossing for their new uh, hall, which is opposite where the school is located. I think Blacks and Whites, Jock Boschteen, got funding for a gym in their GA club. And I know um, Tullerhead, Rothberg and GA club got funding also to do works on their grounds. And then so the, it sounds the, like, so it sounds like uh, Kilkenny towns and villages have been reasonably successful in the past and no reason to believe they, they won't be in the future, which kind of begs an obvious question. Is it permissible in these schemes to reply repeatedly year after year? Absolutely. Absolutely it is. And Kilkenny... Kilkenny schemes have tended to be successful because applications have tended to be good from Kilkenny, much better than other areas. I mean, the third, the third grant scheme is the outdoor recreational fund, and it falls into, into three categories. Um, people will be familiar in, around Kilkenny City, but also around the county. Outdoor gym equipment has appeared in the last maybe five or six years in certain that's locations the around the county. All yeah. of that, actually, that's funded from this scheme. So that's the kind of minor mm. uh, end of things, which is for, for all all works that are up to 20,000 there's a medium range which is a grant of up to 200,000 which is for larger scale kind of trails and walkways and then the bigger scheme is for grants up to half a million euros which again is designed more for we say a lot of clubs would have put walking paths around their entire perimeter we say um, uh, as well as those outdoor uh, gym equipment and uh, like we're in the era we're in now in particular because we're about to see the start of the development of our own greenway the Waterford to railway line which is virtually all contained in, in South Kilkenny that whole mm. uh, market not just for tourism but for recreational purposes for local people for walking and cycling paths that are dedicated mm. and safe and are off road um, is an area where there's going to be massive development so as I said yeah. at the start Morris I'd say to any groups, the councils themselves can apply, but groups can also apply and they should go through the community section in Kilkenny County Council for the grant, for the um, applications process. There's also details of the schemes yeah. on, on the Department of Rural and, and Community Affairs website. And there's probably a deadline as well for application and presumably a quick The deadline is not, doesn't fall actually until later on in the summer. So actually there's plenty of time uh, for people to get their good. pieces together. Yeah. Together. yeah. yeah. Now, with, with with the three kind of strands, as you say, of the different measures, the kind of small, medium and large, and particularly the, the large scale one that goes up to grants of up to 500,000, as you mentioned, available, um, that would make a huge dent in, in, a, total, in a fund that totals um, 10 million euros. So it's hard to see that there'd be a huge number of different projects yeah. funded all across the country out of, out of 10 million. Most of the grants tend to fall into the up to 20,000 category, you're right, um, because they're separate streams of funding for greenways and walkways um, you know there, does, there only tends to be a small number as in five or six maybe across each region of the of the really big schemes but there's nothing to say by yeah. the way that, that one of them couldn't be either all or partly in County Kilkenny I mean these they, they, you know some some of these pretty trail type applications could 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 be in a couple of different counties if you know what I mean like again, going back do, to that indeed, Greenway yeah. and then of course the, um, yeah. as you yeah. mentioned as well there's the town and village renewal scheme which has a fund of 15 million and the Claw programme which is five so there's kind of combined what 30 million there yeah. altogether and yeah. is, is it possible for organisations or towns villages counties to kind of apply for 
multiple ones in those in it the, is, each of those it is trams? there's no limit on, on you could have an application from the same town or village for under all three headings um, there's no limit on it now Kilkenny County Council when it comes to the town and village I know that the council themselves tend to prioritise which towns and villages um, and with the best applications but also with the most need um, mm. each year but uh, there, there, there's nothing to say if you feel that your your village needs um, new footpaths, a new you know a new surface on the car park, new kind of street furniture or something like that. You should certainly get, uh, get you know get your application in and have your voice heard. And if you're not successful this year, you might be successful next year. But it, it is, I've seen it though. That scheme is in operation for perhaps eight or nine years at this stage uh, a lot of towns and villages across Kenny and across the country have benefited at different points so and they mightn't be successful the first time but but they, they usually end up getting there Indeed well as you said there's uh, I think uh, in the, within the county in general there's, there's uh, obviously quite a good degree of success in applying for these things. Are there any particular tips that you might give to uh, other people listening that are parts of groups or clubs or whatever that associations that might be interested in applying and yeah. maybe haven't done before? Yeah. Well, the first thing I would say is, like, if you haven't formed a group, form a, form a group, a development group yourselves. Lots of villages have um, tidy towns groups, and sometimes they they make the applications. It doesn't necessarily have to be a local development group. But what you need, the the, the basic homework is to have you know a very definitive plan as to as to why uh, the works are needed, and to, to do you know a detailed kind of proposal of, of the works that you wish to carry out. And sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes, um, sometimes when applications are made, they're not they're, they're not specific enough, um, uh, and yeah. I, w- I would say that that's a, a general kind of a hint. But I'd also say that the community section of the council, as well as the leader group in Kilkenny, are really, really, really good at helping uh, community groups put those detailed proposals together, and yeah. they have had a, su- a success rate over the years. And I presume having a for any uh, development group or town or residence association or wherever having mm. some formal governance structure in place is essential. It is absolutely essential. Yeah. You have to have you have to have that that committee formed, that group formed, and you have to have governance in all aspects, mm. not least in the kind of not for profit or charity section. A sector has 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 been an issue, maybe more so a number of years ago. But um, most groups now uh, have 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 those things in order. I mean, even older clubs over the years would have had issues, I would have found, in lotto grants with trustees that were deceased, say, for example, when grounds were bought. But all of those things have to be updated and in order before before um, applications can be made. So um, no governance, no money, I suppose, it's the, the it. long and the short to it. Yeah, that's um, it, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Can, do you mind if we just move on for a few minutes, uh, John Paul, sure. while we have you on, just to uh, the current status of government formation talks? We know it's been kind of going on for a while, took a, a good while even to get the talks up and running, and they've been proceeding kind of slowly, quickly, slowly, quickly, a couple of um, hiccups along the way. How close is the whole process to concluding, do you think? It's difficult to say. I mean, the original, original talk last week was that they hoped that the end of this week would see conclusion. I, I find it hard to see how that deadline could be arrived at. Now, that's not to say that, you know, in two weeks' time, I think this time, two weeks, we will know one way or the other whether there is an agreement or not and whether it will be, you know, put to the various members of the different parties. So I'd say, mm. to, to be realistic, you're talking about 
roughly kind of uh, two weeks from now before before um, you know there's any any document for a decision to be made on. Okay, and what are, what are the major areas then that are left to to be resolved? I know some things have been uh, described yeah. as being sent upstairs to the three party yeah. leaders. Yeah, um, to be honest, I, to be frankly honest, I, I I don't know. I was involved in one section of the discussions, which, as you'd expect, was the kind of whole local government, local development kind of area. Um, Malcolm Noonan actually was 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 party to it as well from 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 the Green Party. So uh, each set of talks has been kept and you'll have note from the media there's been very little speculation or kite flying about each individual section of, of talks so I mean I wouldn't be party to the to the finer detail but I look at we, we all know that there are certain contentious areas obviously agriculture obviously mm-hmm. the whole economy in the sense of the economic downturn that we're we're in now at this stage and which we will face for a few years and then there's also the, the question with that of how can you grow the economy again uh, if you've got very strict emissions uh, limits that are put in legislation will that have um, a negative effect on, on recovering the economy so I would say those are the kind of the 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 main kind of areas that there hasn't been much agreement that I'm aware of yet um, and they'll be the most stickly ones, I would think, over the next yeah. the next two weeks. Dif- difficult enough to work out at the best of times, I'd say, but even more so in the context of um, the yeah. amount of money that's had to be committed to responding to the pandemic. Uh, really You're talking about you made over, a constraint. Yeah, over yeah. twenty billion euros this year. Um, you could be heading for thirty billion of a of a deficit mm-hmm. as a result of mm-hmm. COVID. Not just in terms and, of the money that's been spent, but also money that's foregone in terms of uh, less tax income. Yeah, now you mentioned a couple of weeks' time as maybe getting a conclusion to this and assuming there is a successful conclusion, of course, that's only, as you well know, part of the, the process and uh, each of the, the three parties going to have to refer this all to their, their members. Yeah. How would you assess the chances of the whole process possibly being even tripped up by not being approved by one or more of, of the three parties? God, it, it's very hard, Morris, to give a... To give, like, that's a, it's a guess answer. I would say it's difficult. That's my own best guess of, mm-hmm. of I, I'm not really familiar with the inner workings of of, of either the Green Party or, or Fianna Fáil, but I, like, there's a lot of things that have to fall right for the government to be formed. So, I mean, I would still say it's, um, it, you know, there's a lot of potential hurdles for, for it to actually be successful. Um, mm-hmm. I do, like, the process of voting is going to be coincided in each party and it's going to be by postal vote. So you're, I think what, what's being spoken of is roughly a kind of a 10-day window from when the document is agreed, if it's agreed, uh, to when, you know, votes will be counted from from the members and the Oireachtas members of the of the three parties. And I presume there'll be a lot of um, intensive campaigning on behalf of, uh, in favour of an agreement anyway, by yourselves and uh, everybody yeah. in, in the parties and, and the, yeah. the other parties as well that, that want to get this uh, across the line. Yeah. Um, so that'll be a fascinating process. I presume is it is it in within Finnegan? Is it just a simple majority of members? No, uh, we have a, we have the most complex one actually. Um, oh, do you? Yeah, fifty okay. percent yeah, of the votes are for the parliamentary party, of which there's fifty two members. So essentially, we nearly have a percentage each. Fifteen uh, percent is um, from the um, uh, councillors. Twenty five percent from the membership and. 
uh, 10% from the national executive that runs the party, the trustees, people who are elected from the members around the country. There's three of them from each, each province elected at every Ardesh. So it, it, it's, there's four different sections, if you like, in the Fine Gael vote, and each has a different weighting. Um, but really, like the, the key one is the parliamentary party, obviously, but also the 25% from, from members. And even the fifteen percent from councillors is not is, is a significant figure too. Yes, of course. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it all it all counts as it should. Yeah. You don't have to go into the kind of um, convoluted things they have up in Northern Ireland for yeah. majorities, where they have to come from all segments as well as um, totally yeah. together. Um, so anyway, a fascinating, I suppose, process. There's a huge amount hanging on it, of course, as, yeah. as we all know. And I don't think anybody. Well, there may be a few people out there listening to us who may um, who might stand up and say they'd be quite happy with the general election. I certainly haven't mm. come across too many of them. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, my own view is I don't want one anyway, and yeah. I don't know about you, John Paul. But how would we? Uh, how would we even do it, Morris? Is the, is the thing no. you, you couldn't be yes, done? Yes, that's a very good question. Current, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. The there's lots of things yeah. we're trying to figure out how to yeah. do at the moment. Yeah. Hey, look, Ed, it's been great talking to you, anyway, John Paul. Feeling thanks a million for joining no us problem. here on Thank uh, you, Kenny today Thank afternoon. Take care. All the best. And uh, that was uh, the Minister of State for Local Government and Electoral Reform at the Department of Housing, Planning and Local Government, our own John Paul Phelan, TD from Fine Gael, of course. So, um, I don't know, yeah, maybe there are different views on should we or should we not have this uh, three-party government in place? Should we have another general election? Um, I'm sure lots of different uh, viewpoints across the listeners, whether you're from a apolitical or a very strongly political background from one of the three parties or indeed a supporter of Sinn Féin or Labour Party or Social Democrats or any of the others are indeed independently minded when it comes to politics. Everybody's, of course, entitled to their own view. And uh, we'll hear how things go over the next couple of weeks. And um, the mood music and the noises, I'm sure, will become apparent as those as the days go on over the next couple of weeks. Now, it's uh, well past time. We took another ad break. And hopefully after the ads, we'll be joined by a local woman who's very familiar to us here on Kilkenny Today and on Community Radio Kilkenny City in general. And, of course, that's Angela Hayes from Chalk Tom. But before we get linked up with Angela, we better take these. We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. And welcome back to the last part of today's show. Uh, Morris O'Connor with you as usual. And good morning. If you're listening on the Wednesday, I hope we've had a lovely start to the day. Or indeed, if you're back here with us live on the Tuesday afternoon, I hope you've been having a great one as well. And there's still a few hours of um, warmth and uh, maybe not sunshine, but certainly hazy sunshine maybe and warmth to enjoy before the day is over. Uh, but meanwhile, we have are joined on the line. I'm delighted to be by Angela Hayes from Chalk Tom. Angela, we haven't been talking for quite a while. How are you? Hi, Morris. How are you? I am very well indeed. Good, and, and yourself? Good. Yeah, well, all good. Surviving this difficult time that we're getting, you know, having to put up with, but we're all getting there. Yeah. Uh, now, you're reported as saying that, uh, you know, quoted it in, in an article, I think, for Kilkenny people, Chuck Tom is still here 24-7, our counselling staff are working away, and it's very important people know that, and no problem is too big or too small, just pick up the phone. Um, so, uh, what sort of demand, then, um, have you been having for the services since the, the lockdown started? Well, the phone lines have been available ongoing. We haven't had much face-to-face counselling because of the restrictions but for people that were in crisis that needed support immediately they did come in and we had to accommodate them uh, you know using the HSE guidelines for 
to COVID, but the doors weren't physically open. But the service has been busy. Every day we've been getting calls, emails and messages from people from something like any kind of an issue. It might be somebody else that they're concerned about. Um, a, a lot of concern around people returning to work if their job is still going to be there. And also, at the moment, they're finding, they're managing their finances because of the moratorium with the bank. But, you know, when life mm. starts to return to a little bit of normal, it is going to be difficult because they're going to be trying to weigh up their finances. Have they got a job? Can they afford to pay the mortgage? So I do feel, uh, and the team in Shock Tom feel that it, there's going to be a long-term impact from this, uh, this epidemic. Which kind of sounds to me like as if you'd, you couldn't help but or you'd have to anticipate um, quite an increased level of demand above and beyond. I hate to say Absolutely. the word normal, but you know what I mean, the normal level of demand and the normal issues yeah. that would be raised with you in the, like what that would have been anyway before the whole pandemic hit. Absolutely. And, you know, it's a big concern for us because we were seeing up to 100 people every week for sessions in Choctaw. And there's no way in the house that we're going to be able to accommodate that. So we'd have to put a few different um, resolutions, I suppose, in place as to how we will manage that. And it's about Mm -hmm. alternating the different uh, rooms. And we have been offered uh, two other spaces that can be made available for our councillors to work out of. So we, we do hope that we can deliver a service to the same amount of people within a, sh- a short time that, you know, that we can continue with that kind of a service. However, the biggest, uh, I suppose, worry for us is that at the moment we haven't been fundraising like all other charities that depend on fundraising. Um, so we're, we're okay at the moment kind of because there's no outlay of cost but it's when mm. the demand comes back that we need to be able to deliver the service. So it's, even though we're not out there as much in the people's, uh, in, in the community, because we're not fundraising, but we are still definitely working there 24-7 uh, on yeah. the phone lines and support. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, there are lots of people in, around the country for all sorts of charities doing little bits of um, either individual or group kind of fundraising uh, on their own or virtually and um, and managing to maybe not cover all of the drop-off in funds that those charities have been experiencing, but certainly kind of making a bit of a dent in it. Is that is that something that you've, you've explored and tried to encourage or ask well, people to do, whether it's well, Facebook birthday fundraisers or some yeah, other little gimmicky things? Yeah, um, we have, Morris, we've been very grateful with some people that have done, you know, have picked Chalk Tom as their charity for their birthday uh, or for other events. We've had quite a few small events where people have felt, oh, we'll raise 100 euros. But, you know, like that's three sessions of counselling for somebody. So that means a lot to the person. They might feel, oh, I only raised 100 euros. But as I said, you know, that's three sessions or just over three sessions of counselling. So we have been thinking about it. and We're also conscious of people's money being exhausted, uh, you know, that the demands on their money. But we, Joe Malone approached me a couple of weeks ago and he was really adamant 
um, because of the travel restrictions as well for people accessing other mental health services that he kind of felt right we need to just do something for the people of Kilkenny because they need to be able to travel to within the restricted zones and still access support so Joe was like eager to get something going so we have been in discussions with trying to have an event at uh, the end of June and we're not we're not um, we're not tied down yet with what the event is going to be, but it's going to be at the end of the uh, June, and we are going to have uh, support from the defence forces as well, which is going to be fantastic. No, oh, fantastic. Well, Joe is obviously the link man there, and of course here yeah. in Community Radio with Kilkenny City, we'd be delighted um, to give your event as much promotion as we can whenever you, you have, you have um, details um, yeah. ready for it. Um, I suppose th- things are starting to, and you kind of mentioned it yourself a little bit uh, a while ago, things are slowly starting to ease out. Um, and, and as they do, you mentioned that the, the house, uh, the premises in Orange Road, um, are you are you good? You know, although you may be only able to operate on restricted uh, volumes out of there, are the things you're having to do to reconfigure the space, and obviously that's kind of costing. Um, money. Yeah. How far can you push it really to, within yeah, the well, limits? It's not even putting up the costs. It's, well, the cost of you know we're going to have to follow HSE guidelines, and we're going to have to have the guards, and we're going to have to have the thermometer and checking people that are accessing the service. We do hope with the next uh, restrictions being lifted that Choctaw can open the doors on Monday the 8th of June and uh, you know that we all our staff will have to have the PPE gear and uh, you know we hope uh, that people that will come in will respect obviously the restrictions and um, we'll take it from there and see how it goes and we'll We'll be there for the people. But we're looking forward to opening the doors on the 8th of June, uh, certainly. Um, and we're very fortunate. We have the CE staff um, who, who are really helping out in Choctaw as well. They're managing the office as well. So we just have to move rooms around the house. But we're going to work to, and we're yeah. going to play it by ear and we're going to deliver the service due to the demand that comes in. Yeah, and with the, I think I'm, I may, maybe I'm wrong on this, but I think is it is it next uh, Monday as you mentioned the next phase of the the easing of the restrictions starts. Um, does the travel distance thing go to twenty kilometres then? So like, I, like I just what prompts a question with me was like how how far away do you typically get people travelling to you from? Well, we've had people that well they go to the the Portlaoise office as well, so they travel from a tie. Uh, to Port Leash and from Port Leash and Carlo. So we have had people that have come from Clamel to Brary to Kenny, you know, but um, I think if, if they have, a, you know, they might try and chance getting to their support if they can. But if they can't, we have offered alternatives to the individuals who are in crisis. It could be over yeah. the phone yeah. and we have done some uh, Zoom counselling, although we haven't been... Um, doing much of that because um, it's, it's difficult to kind of keep a track on that yeah, I just actually was going to ask you about that um, when you were talking about supporting people over the phone and yeah, were you, had you dipped into that sort of technology. So how have you found it, and both yourselves, your counsellors and indeed um, your service recipients? Have you got any sense of how that's going for you? Well, we had, 
we did. We had some one or two Zoom, but um, people haven't really wanted to take it up. They prefer over the phone. Um, but, you know, and the councils have, in a voluntary way, supported the people who they were already counselling before the lockdown. So they've continued to support those people. Um, and then Rory, who's in the office in Choctaw, he's been in and out as well, um, and myself into Choctaw. So Rory has been uh, doing a few Zoom calls. But it, it, with new people, it would be difficult to do a Zoom counselling session. Whereas if yeah, you already I, I, had an existing yeah. relationship with a client, you can then take them on, you know, because you've already, you know, met them face to face, had a few sessions. Um, and I think that's very important instead of just hmm. this uh, Zoom session, you yeah. know. And I suppose you'd be very much led by the people who contact you if they want to, that bit of face-to-face, -face, even if it is over a screen. I'm sure you'd be yeah. happy to try and facilitate that. And yeah, yeah, and that's what we yeah. do hope to resume next week. We have we have our um, we have the rooms laid out that uh, we can facilitate two rooms. That we used to have four rooms for counselling, but now we can only do two because of the the restrictions. And, uh, and Angela, in terms of funding, I know uh, recently, a few weeks ago, and I think the deadline's probably closed a um, couple, week, couple of weeks ago already, um, the Department of Community and Rural Development announced a, a stability fund that had quite a reasonable pot of money going with it. Um, were you able to apply to that? Or was we it we have applied for that, Morris. We haven't received any notification yet. Um, you know, and, but hopefully we'll get something out of that pot, you know, because... Yeah. Uh, it will make a big difference to us delivering the service because we've lost out on so much uh, opportunities for our fundraising events like our 24-hour cycle was to be on last weekend and um, we also normally have the teddy bear picnic the same weekend and we have the mini marathon. Uh, yeah, we yeah. had our golf classic again this year and our Oscars. So they were quite big fundraising events that we just had to pull back on and right. no opportunity to fundraise. Is the Oscars gone? I know, I think actually that reminds me, I think it might have been the last time I was talking to you, you were promoting yeah. Them, yeah. the Oscars, uh, last year's Oscars and um, yeah, I think you'd Oscars. even asked me would I do it myself, so you'll have yeah, to come well, back to me on that one whenever know, it happens Morris, again. I can, I'll, I'll enrol you for 2021 because it is going ahead for 2021 for definite because so oh, many people that took part in the Oscars in 2019 absolutely loved it and they actually were in touch with me saying that it would be something for them all to get together again for 2021 and they will really look forward to doing it so the Oscars will be going ahead watch this space, red carpet lights, uh, camera action for Great. 2021 well, I'm sure there'll be lots of people um, looking forward to, uh, to that and it come, hopefully it'll come back bigger and better. And uh, in the meantime, um, hang on in there and give our best wishes to uh, to all of your volunteers and your councillors and, and indeed to all of the service recipients. Um, I hope that they can, yeah, struggle on through yeah. if, if they feel well, it's, it's it not much of a struggle. So, you know, just to remind people of our phone number, uh, it's Absolutely 056 592 and that will be available 24-7 and also our website is the Thomas Hayes Trust or if people want to check us out on Facebook for Chop Tom 
But I, right. I do encourage people to understand about the organisations that are on your doorstep that can provide an amazing professional service. And if they right. can we got we gotta, we got to leave you there, Angela. I'm running out Thank of time. Thank you very much. comments um, shouting at me down the line if I don't okay. um, wish you all the best and say goodbye. Thanks, Thanks for joining us anyway, Angela. Lovely okay. to talk to you. Thank you, Indeed, uh, Take care. Thank you. Take, take care. That's Angela Hayes, of course, in Chalk Tom. Uh, 0567796592, the phone number. That's all we've time for. Thanks to Mick and Anne, and indeed to all our guests. I'll be back with you on Friday. Take care. We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM.